Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. So I, I, I know... Thank you guys to everybody who came. I know it's Valentine's Day, and if, if you celebrate Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day to you. And uh, I can't promise you, though, that you might have been like, what was he going to preach about? Is this like the, the love and relationships message or something like that? No, it's not. But what I can promise you is this. If you listen to Jesus' teaching in this message, and you apply it, and you walk in it, your life is going to change. The way you think is going to change, the way you act is going to change, and the things around you are going to change. Sound like a deal? Yeah. Sound like a deal? Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us all together so we can come together and, and just glean off your word tonight. See each other's faces, to fellowship one another, to say hi to one another. Lord, thank you for everything that you did, your teachings to even coming on the cross. And you didn't give up. You walked in authority so you could march for us and die on the cross for us. So we appreciate you. We love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, we all said. Amen. So, I, by the way, I got, a, I got permission to speak about this. But about a week ago, we were in a life group. And life group, one of... Our families in life group just experienced their father passing away. And so we kind of talked about it for a little bit and, and you know, the emotions and what it feels like. And there's, there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, even though we're thankful that their dad is with, with the Lord now. But there's still the mourning process, right, that we all go through when we lose someone. And, and we were talking about it. And, and you know what? One of the things that we talked about was whenever we go to funerals or memorial services or, or people that are close to us to die, it's like that time where we actually start thinking like, man, you know what? Life isn't forever. Time is the only thing that we can't buy. And it just makes us look at our time like it, it, it has to be more purposeful, right? Like, can you imagine? Like, if you, I, I know it's hard because every single day we wake up, since we've been born, every single day we woke up. There's never been a day where we didn't wake up. So in our minds, we have this perception that well, I, I got till tomorrow. I, I'm going to wake up. So we can procrastinate. We kind of live our lives how we want to. And yeah, I know this, I went to church and I know I'm supposed to be living like this, but you know what? I, I, I'm going to do better later. But what if we didn't have later? What if we actually knew the exact day that we were going to die? And what if it wasn't that long from now? What if it was only five days? Wouldn't the way you think be differently? Wouldn't the choices you make be a little bit more with purpose? Some of the things that we stress about, we wouldn't stress off anymore. We would be having a purpose. And Jesus went through that. As Pastor Preet started it last time we met up, that we're going through Passion Week. And Passion Week is the greatest week of all time. This is the week that the whole world and everything, time itself has been waiting for. This is the week where Jesus comes in his triumphal entry to Jerusalem and he's going to take himself 
to the cross to die for our sins. And he's going to Jerusalem where so much hypocrisy. The religious leaders, it was a bunch of religion. It wasn't a true relationship. They weren't truly worshiping in their heart. And Jesus was coming in. He had a purpose because he didn't have that much time left. And he was given an assignment by the Father. And he was given authority. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Jesus walked in authority. Everybody say, walk in authority. Jesus walked in authority. He was on a mission to be about his father's business. And he didn't have too much time left. So, so Passion Week, Passion Week, some of you guys have heard of it. Some like, what, what is that? Well, Passion Week is the week. It actually was five days from the actual cross because the sixth day he was in the tomb and the seventh day he rose from the dead. But the first day, that's the day that Jesus came and, and rode on the donkey and he was coming into Jerusalem. And I don't know, you maybe heard the story or been to a Palm Sunday and everybody's throwing their coats and they're throwing these, these palm branches and everything down on his feet and he rode in on the donkey. He came in that day. He came in and rode in and he was showing his purpose. And when he came in, he kind of just observed. The next day on Monday, Jesus started tripping. <laughs> he went in the temple. He started throwing tables around. He's knocking stuff down. And then he sees this fig tree. And he saw it was nothing but leaves, so he cursed it. So now we're at Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, three days before Jesus is going to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. That's where we're at. That's where the story starts to take place. We're in Mark chapter 11, verse 20. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, verse 20. When you get there, please say amen. Okay. So if you're the type to take notes, and maybe you are, maybe you aren't, I always encourage it. It helps us remember a little better. But if you take notes, my first point is this. When you're walking in authority, your life will produce fruit. When you're walking in authority, your life will produce fruit. Verse 20 says this. As they passed by in the morning, remember it's Tuesday morning, they saw the fig tree. This is the same fig tree that yesterday they saw Jesus curse. That withered away to his roots. And the word roots, it means to totally destroy. And Peter, Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Now, fig trees in the Old Testament was symbolic for Israel standing before God for judgment. So this is an illustration. At first, he's showing an authority that he has authority over creation by stopping it. But also, he's showing his authority as he's coming in. He's casting judgment on Israel for these hypocrisy leaders who are coming in and they're not bearing fruit. They're showing that they're, oh, I'm Jewish and they have all these customs, but there's no fruit from their lives. And I got to take a little bit back because if you weren't here two weeks ago, they talked about the temple. You ever wonder that where Jesus flipping over tables? Both of them, the temple and the tree, had the same type of analogy. You see, the temple was an analogy for the inward corruptness of the leaders of that time, of Israel, the inward corruptness. And the tree was the outward fruitlessness. And fig trees, you know, Jesus liked to use illustrations where people at that time would understand. 
Like the temple, everybody knew what the temple was. If you were Jewish in Jewish life at that time, you knew what the temple was. You know, just like we know what a church is, right? Sometimes you see the steeple on a church. It's like a symbol. Okay, I know that's a church, right? But also, fig trees were very popular fruit. And when the fig trees used to, the leaves used to come up on the fig trees, you knew either fruit was on it or fruit was about to come on it. You saw the potential for the fruit that it was going to have. You knew it was coming. So what the fig tree without the fruit was showing was that Israel had this outward potential to them. But they weren't bearing real fruit. You ever heard your teacher say that? Oh, he's got potential. It's just like us in our life as Christians, right? We got so much potential. We got so much potential to do all that God wants us to do. But sometimes we're just not bearing the fruit that he wants us to. You know, just like the religious leaders, they're religious. They went to the temple. They went to the synagogue. Some of us, we go to church. But are we, is anything different in our homes? Sometimes we can go to church and show potential. But are we making an impact on the community? Sometimes we can go to church and, and show potential. But is our lives changing the lives of others? Is there fruit in our lives from our walk? If somebody saw you and didn't know you were watching them or they, they were watching you and they asked you and said, hey, is that person a Christian? What would they say? Not at church. I'm talking about on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. What would they say? Would they say, oh, yeah, that person a Christian? Or would they say, I don't know about that. What fruit are we bearing in our lives? See, when you are walking in authority, lives change. Your life will start to change. Others around you's life will start to change. It rubs off. It's like this domino effect. Marissa, Marissa was not walking in authority. She was late. Well, she was walking under somebody else's authority. We're all walking under somebody's authority, but she wasn't walking over God's authority. And then all of a sudden she started to. Then it was this domino effect. And then she gets this job. And then all of a sudden all the people at her job starts going to church and they start reading their Bibles. Because it was rubbing off on what she was doing. She started walking in her calling. She started walking in authority. She started being about her father's business. When you only got a little bit of time, you don't waste it. So you got to be about your father's business. And that's what Jesus was about. He didn't have time for nothing else but to be on the mission that he was called to be. And as Christians, we were given the same authority. When you gave your life to Jesus, you became on mission. Verse 22. Jesus responds to them, to Peter and the fig tree and to the disciples that are listening, he says, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. They might have been like, what? <laughs> what, what does that have to do? Because, you know, sometimes like, like us, we don't get things right away, right? We have faith and we pray. Matter of fact, faith is the first ingredient in our prayer. We trust God to remove anything that stops us or hinders us from bearing that fruit. Some of the reasons why we might not be bearing the fruit that we should because we have stuff in our life that are hindering us from that. We have stuff in our life that is stopping us from doing some of the things, the potential that we have to walk in the authority that Jesus has called us to do. We're still hanging on to some stuff that doesn't need to be there. You see, Jesus didn't come to have this big, huge love party on this. This mission was different. 
Jesus came to purify some things. He came to, to prune some things. And like in the temple, he came to shake up and some, flip some tables in their lives. What hinders you? What in your life hinders you from doing everything that God's called you to do? What do you need to purify tonight? What do you need to get rid of? Like, you know, the trash you got? You ever, you know, your, your kitchen is stinking up the house and, and you have like yesterday or three days ago leftover chicken and, or the eggs and it smells. You got to get rid of that stuff at your house. Some of us, we got some stuff in our house that's stinking up our whole lives in our house and we had no business there, but we're keeping it there. For some of us, it could be our pride. A lot of times pride is a big reason why people don't bear fruit. Maybe it's the influences that you're hanging around with that are stopping you from being the, the man or woman of God that he has called you to be. Whatever it is, you got to figure that out. And, and, and I, I think I know you know. Everybody knows what that one thing is. That vice, it seems like the enemy tries to hold it over us. Every time we're like, okay, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Today's that day, God. I'm going to start reading my Bible again. I'm going to do this. All of a sudden, two hours later, you got that attack on that same thing that always gets you. What in your life do you need to purify tonight? Because remember, we don't just go to church to, to live how we always live the rest of the days of the week. This is, this, is, this is not the game. This is just the huddle. This word, the Bible teaches us the plays of how to live our life. And then we go out in the mission field and we live it out. So what in your life do you need to prune out tonight? Number two in your notes. When you're walking in authority, you can move mountains. When you're walking in authority, you can move mountains. You guys remember that old uh, Marvin Gaye? Ain't no mountain high enough. That's how I started. Now, I think maybe some of you guys start applying a lesson, and next time on Tuesday, you get a problem in your life, and you start singing to it. No, you never know. Um, okay, so verse... Verse 24 in your Bibles, it says, oh, excuse me, verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown to the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So, first of all, what Jesus is not saying is that you can literally go tell a mountain. Like, how many of you guys ever been to uh, Cow's Mountain? You ever did like the hike or whatever? It's a big mountain, right? You probably run out of breath. You're always on Facebook going on Cow's Mountain. Uh, he's not saying that you can look at Cow's Mountain and say, look, Cow's Mountain, you're on timeout. I want you to go throw yourself into the Pacific Ocean. He's not saying that at all. Matter of fact, I tried that once. I, I read this a long time ago. And uh, I did, I did. I was not at Cal's Mountain, but I was at uh, well, East Mason Detention Center. And I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but I was young, I was doing like a year, and I picked up a Bible and I read that verse and I said, okay, I'm gonna try it. So we go out yard time. You guys don't know yard time is that, you know, you go on the outside, you get to hang out and stuff. And, and I go to yard time and I'm sitting there and I, they got this mountain. You got these little mountains that are in view. And some of you guys that have been there, you know, and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, okay. 
we're going to have a standoff. And I'm looking at him like, move, move. I literally tried this for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Guess who won? No, the mountain really left. No, it's fine. Uh, no, the mountain didn't leave. The mountain didn't leave. You see, what Jesus was doing, Jesus liked to use a thing called a hyperbole. I might not pronounce that right. But what that is, is an extremely exaggerated point or ex- uh, exaggeration to drive in this point. Just like uh, you heard in Matthew where he says, you know, if you look at a woman, cut your eye out. He wasn't literally telling you to cut your eye out. But maybe you got some things that you need to get out of your life, like maybe it's your cell phone or whatever it is. That's what he's talking. It was a hyperbole to drive the point. And see, in Jewish literature, mountains were, were this thing that was this impossible thing, impossible thing. And even in Zechariah chapter four, verse seven, it was a picture of an obstacle. So, but it was saying it's this impossible obstacle in your life. And it was kind of cool because he was probably on the Mount of Olives and the Dead Sea was in sight from there about 15 miles. And as he's looking at it, he gives them this awesome illustration. But it was this impossible thing in their life. You know, I don't know about you, but I've had some mountains in my life before. I've had some things that I thought were impossible to get over, or some things that I thought were impossible that could never happen no matter how hard I tried. I still got some things that feel that way. I remember one time I was, um, you guys know I've been to prison and stuff, and I remember I was always in and out, in and out. Like I would get out and months later go right back in. I remember this time, I think it was my last prison time, and I remember when I finally got out of the booking and back into the cell and I looked in the mirror And I just looked at myself and was like, this is life. I ain't ever going to be able to change. This this, this is my life. I deserve this. This is my home. It was this impossible thing. When God told me I was going to be a pastor when I was 23, doing a year inside a a jail cell, I literally said, yeah, right, and laughed. It was impossible. I remember... My relationship with my stepmom who tried to kill me once. And, and, and I just, this relationship was, I hated her with a passion. Like I hated this woman. And now we're friends. She gave her life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus. And, and well, at least I, I, I fully did. I went through one of the worst depressions of my life. Couldn't get a job. Nobody wanted to hire me. Not even, because it was a six-time film, not even fast food wanted to hire me. And I got so depressed. I got so angry inside. The only job I could get was knocking door to door, selling a bottle of water. Didn't know God wanted me to do that so I could start learning how to talk to people. And, and I, I, I just, I, I went to this depression and I, 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 I was fighting stuff. I couldn't get over cigarettes and I was drinking alcohol and, and, and still lusting and all this stuff. And, and it was just, it was driving me insane. And then one day I said, God, you know, it's been four months. I'm going through this bad depression. It was bad too. The worst I ever had in my life. And I remember I was sitting there and it was dark. I remember sitting there and I almost didn't want to live anymore. I started taking these um, uh, uh, sleeping pills and I took a little extra because I didn't care if I woke up anymore. I remember I just got saved. Four months ago. I didn't realize there was a reason for that. There was a reason for all those attacks, but I thought it was impossible. I said, now I really can't do nothing in my life. No matter how hard I try, I mean, we went to church. I was like, God, I'm serving 15 hours a day on Sunday. I'm doing everything. Why is my life still happening like this? Why can't I get a break? 
And I kept on hearing this one word. Obedient. Be obedient. There were some things in my life that I, I wasn't getting out of the way. There were some things in my life that I was holding on to. And because of that, that mountain had a stronghold over my life. And some of us, we have those mountains in our life. And no matter how hard we try to get rid of them, we can't get past them. I mean, we try to jump over them, but it's too high. We try to go to the right or to the left, but it's just too long. And every time we just say, I'm going to go through this mountain by my own will, it's going to be done. We just bow. We end up hurting ourselves. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say a mountain? Amen. But Jesus tells us a way through prayer. Through prayer. You see, God, he can turn those mountains, those impossible things in your life, the things that you can't do by yourself without him, and he can turn them into little clumps of dirt. You see this little clumps of dirt? That don't look too impossible to get past now, does it? If I had this obstacle in a track uh, run, I think I'd be pretty good. Just hop over it. Bah. Sometimes God can take those things that are impossible and make it into nothing. You know, so you guys, some of you guys know um, I do this devotional on, uh, online called Blessed by Grace and stuff. And I also, I get these cool little quotes that I, 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 I post. And, and sometimes... They're from, you know, doing stuff like this. And, and that one right there, I was like, oh, I like that. I'm going to post that one, right? So I, I post it and I post it on the little feeds and stuff like that. In my old school, Liberty University, somebody posted something, a comment. Man, they said, God doesn't turn the mountains into clumps of dirt. She said, God turns those mountains into dust. I was like, oh, man. She just like dropped the mic on me. <laughs> I almost switched up the sermon right there. But whatever your mountain is, God can see you through it. And for those who have been through the mountains and don't have those same mountains no more, they weren't that big now, are they? And for some of y'all, it is like dust. And it's not existing anymore. You see, ain't no, no All right. Verse 24. Let me get my glasses back on because you guys just don't know. I cannot see. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will have received it and it will be yours. Now, hold on. I got to stop for a second because I... some people can take this verse completely out of context and say, hey, you know what? The Bible says whatever I ask for in prayer, it's mine. I'm, as long as I believe it enough, I'm going to have it. That's not what he's saying. If it's in his will, you see, even Jesus Christ himself said, not my will, but your will be done. Paul, the apostle, Paul, almost two thirds of the New Testament is written by him. Paul asked for a thorn to be taken out. And God said, no, this is Paul. He could have just named it, claimed it. But God said, no, let my grace be sufficient. Because sometimes in our weakness, we can be held up by his strength. But what he's saying is that we are supposed to have confidence in his power to know that God can do anything, but be submitting 
on his will. Kind of like a reflection, if you guys ever read Matthew 7, where it talks about the good gifts. It says, paraphrasing, um, if anyone asks their father for bread, who would give him a stone? Or if anybody asks for a fish, who would give him a snake? You see, the, the bread and the fish were necessities. Okay, they're necessities. God will give us, he won't always give us what we want, but he'll give us what is need. But he won't give us what we want that will hurt us later on. Sometimes we be praying for stuff that we think is the best thing for us and God's like, nope. And we wonder, oh, God's not answering my prayers. This verse didn't work. No, God knows what's best for you because he loves you. You know, wonder why I know some of us have asked this before. I know I have. Dear God, please let me get this million dollars. In Jesus' name. I wonder why God didn't give it to us. Well, maybe he knew what was going to happen when you got that money. Maybe he knew how you were going to really act once you had some money in your pocket. Or he asked, oh God, I want the Mercedes Benz that just came out. <laughs> maybe instead of driving to God, you would drove as far away as you possibly could. Or maybe it's, you know, some of us, and I, I've done this, we prayed for a certain relationship. It's Valentine's Day, so I'll throw this one in there. Uh, you pray for a relationship, please. Oh, this is the man for me. I've always, oh, please, God, let me have him. And God's like, nope. And you're like, no, you don't understand. He loves me. Now you're looking back at it like, oh, man, thank you, Jesus. That was the best. That would have been the worst mistake of my life. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. He's not going to give us what we don't want. Verse 25. It's crazy how Jesus throws this in there. He says, and whatever you stand praying, stand praying. A lot of times when they, uh, it's kind of different from now. You know how now we like, Sometimes you'll see us sit praying or we'll stand teaching or like you're listening, you're sitting. And, and, and those days, it was kind of like the opposite. Like everybody else would be standing up while the rabbi, the teacher would be like sitting down. It's weird. I don't know how that flipped, but it did. So he says, and whenever you stand praying, he says, forgive. Everybody say forgive. forgive. If you have anything, I want you to listen to this because this is very important. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. You know what he's saying here? That sometimes our prayers are hindered from not forgiving people. It also says in another passage that, husbands, you're going to love this. How you treat your wife affects your prayer life. So you're saying, wait, 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 Pastor Sean, are you, are you telling me that how I act helps dictate how God answers my prayers? Yep. Even in the Old Testament, he told us, hey, if we're obedient to him and we follow him and we follow his commands, oh, how beautiful life would be, the blessings that we have. But he also showed us what happens if we don't. And so I know forgiveness is hard. That's, that's one of the hardest things to preach and also to actually live out because some of us we have some really pains or like some some people that did us really messed up we have some wounds in our life whether it's from our, our, our father who wasn't there or maybe it was a past relationship maybe it's your brother your sister maybe it's somebody that you're really close with and they did you so wrong they hurt you so bad and you just can't forgive them 
Matter of fact, Pastor Preach spoke on this earlier today. He was talking about a wound that he had in his life. But as it comes to this for, uh, forgiveness, this debt, it builds up. It's like this poison inside of us. And it doesn't really hurt the other person as much as it hurts us. But we hold on to it and we just get mad and angry and this poison builds up and it don't just affect you. It starts overflowing into your marriage and your kids and your family and your co-workers and it's just poison until you finally one day just let it go. Maybe some of you guys, when we pray at the end, need to pray and ask, give me the courage to make that phone call tonight. Sometimes you don't even make the phone call. You can just call him and say, ask him, Lord, I release this person. I forgive this person. And watch how much freer your life will be. Number three in your notes. When you are walking in authority, you stand out from the rest. When you are walking in authority, you stand out from the rest. Verse 27. It says, and they came again to Jerusalem. And he was walking into the temple. So they, they, they're coming back again. They're going back in the temple. Now remember, Jesus just knocked everything down. He's flipping tables. And just so you know, to do that in the temple, God's temple, and anybody create something like that, it's going to have a huge spark. This was some dramatic events that just happened and everybody's watching and now you just came back in? That'd be like somebody coming here and Pastor Sean, move out the way, throwing the computer and, and everything and boom, 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 next Sunday. Hey guys, how y'all doing? <laughs> this is where church is at, right? <laughs> and he comes in. And this is what it says. And he was walking into the temple and the chiefs and the scribes and the elders these three groups, they made up what was called the Sanhedrin. They were like the high court for the Jewish people. And they were really political, too. We're going to get into that in a moment. And they said to him, they walked up to him. These are like the high court. And they go up to Jesus and they say to him, by what authority? Everybody say authority. authority. By what authority are you doing these things? Now, these things being the temple. And also his entry. You see, one day, I, if he allows me, I'll preach a sermon on this. That entry was a huge event. It went back. When Jesus said even the rocks would cry out, there was a reason for that. You see, they had been going through so much oppression. There was, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a part in the Bible where it's between the Old Testament and the New Testament called the Silent Period. And it was a group of people called the Maccabees. Okay, And the Maccabees were this group that were anti-anything as, as Greek culture, Hellenism was coming through and Alexander the Great was conquering and they're trying to change Jewish culture into the Greek culture and the Maccabees were the only ones they stood up for that and they won. And so there was a symbol that they used as they cried out Hosanna, which was actually a war cry. It wasn't just a, a song, it was a war cry. There was a symbol that they used that meant victory. You know what that symbol was? It was a palm tree. Victory over foreign oppression. And since then, they've been foreign oppressed. Rome comes, Rome comes and conquers everything, conquers Greek, conquers everything. And now they're back to being oppressed. But they've been waiting this whole time, this whole Old Testament, all the prophets, everything, waiting on this Messiah to come on this donkey. 
And all of a sudden, from a distance, they see him. And he's coming. And he's riding on a donkey. And everybody comes in because they know what time. Well, they think they do. They think this is the time where King David's coming back and he's going to take over Roman oppression and they're going to conquer it. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're laying out the palm trees for victory. And, and these same Sanhedrin, the same people, the, the, the high priests, they're looking like, hell, it's a challenge. They're challenging their authority now too. They feel threatened. Authority is a big thing. You can have authority from different places. But they're asking because he's doing these big acts. These are huge acts. These are monumental acts. But he's not one of them. He didn't get trained up in their schools. He doesn't have their titles or their positions. Matter of fact, when he was healing all these people, who is this person? And he says, or who gave you this authority? That's, that's a big question. Who gave you this authority? You see, Jesus, this whole time he's riding in from the temple to the fig tree to even with these people, he's showing his authority. He is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is God. He has authority to do all these things plus a lot more. But he don't have that much time left. So it's time for him to make his mark. He's not coming in. The peaceful Jesus that we see in chapter 7, everybody quotes, do not judge your brothers. Or do not judge others. No, he's, he's ready. His time is short. And then it says, verse 28, or excuse me, verse 29. So Jesus, after they asked him this question, and by the way, they were hoping to trip him up. Every time they ask him questions in, in the New Testament, they always hoped they would get Jesus tripping up there, hoping they'd flip him like one of the tables. But God always had a way of flipping things back on him. 29 says, and Jesus said to them, I will ask you one, one, one question. I will ask you one question. He said, answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things, these same things you're asking. I'll tell, I'll tell you everything you want to know, but I want you to answer one question. You know why he says one question? You see, in, in, in this culture, they love to debate things. They love to argue. Philosophy was huge, so they could go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. Jesus didn't have time for all that. He's on a mission. He's about his father's business. He only got three days to live. He don't got time to be having all these debate questions. You guys have seen all this stuff. You've heard about me too much. You know what authority I'm coming into. And now you're going to question me? Believe they all knew. Jesus is the most popular person back then, just like he is today. Everybody knew who he was. And you're going to ask what authority I'm coming in? I killed the blind. I healed the sick. I made the lame walk. How are you going to ask me that? So he had time to debate with them. Verse 30. This is the question. It's a big question. He says, was the baptism of John, baptism meaning ministry, okay? That was John's ministry. His only ministry, that's what he did. John baptized people. That's why they called him John the Baptist. That's why, you know, for those who don't know our background, it's Southern Baptist. Because that's what we're about. And they called him John the Baptist. That's what he was about. 
baptism, like some of you guys got baptized two Sundays ago. That's when lives are changing. That's why we do what we do. Out, baptism is an outward expression of our inward belief. And it's one of the first parts of discipleship. That's what we're about here at this church at New Vision. Look, Pastor Pete said this a long time ago, and I respect it so much. Anybody could throw a party and have a bunch of people come, but that's not what we're called to do. That's not our ministry. We're not the party ministry. We're about making disciples that make disciples. And he says the baptism, talking about John's ministry, was it from heaven? Heaven, the reason why they said heaven, they actually meant God. Jewish people back then, they didn't actually like to say or write the word God because they were so afraid that they might say it or mispronounce it wrong, that they would get cursed or go by one of the letters of the law, that they just said heaven instead. Or by man, meaning somebody just made it up or human origin. So he's saying, is the ministry of John the Baptist, is that from God? Or is this something that he just made up himself? Verse 31 says, and they discussed it. With one another saying, remember, everybody's watching right now. Because not only did Jesus come back in the temple, when Jesus came back in the temple, I remember the same guy just knocked everything in the biggest religious establishment of all time. But everybody is looking at him because now he's questioning the highest authority there is in Jewish culture. And he's questioning them back. He, he, he answers a question with a question and says, answer me. He's speaking with authority. <laughs> he asked him, and they discussed it to one another saying, if we say from heaven or from God, he will say, why did we not believe him? But shall we say from man, it was just made up from human origin. But they were afraid from the people for they held that John, the people, the Jewish people, held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus and saying, we don't know. You see, but here's the thing they did. They did know. They did know because they watched these events very closely. They were lawyers and just like lawyers that got analyzed all the evidence they could see. And if we remember from any of the Gospels, if you read the Gospels and read where it spoke about John the Baptist, John the Baptist spoke about Jesus. The forthcoming, he was the message usher in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and then he will decrease so God could increase. So if you admit to one, you have to admit the other. And they knew this, but they didn't want to do it. It became like really political and that's what they were. Matter of fact, if you didn't know that the, the high priest at that time, they always had to weigh everything out because not only did they have to appease the Jewish people, but they had to appease Rome too. Because if something would have happened, a riot would have had it off, they would have lost their authority. And you know, they couldn't lose their authority because their authority came from who? Well, that's, that's a good question. Who did their authority come from? Maybe that's what Jesus is kind of asking them because after they didn't ask him, he didn't have no time for their questions because actually you don't have the authority to ask me nothing because your authority doesn't come from the same authority that my authority comes from. And sometimes people are going to sit there and they're going to try to argue with you and, and debate with you and everything. You just got to stop it right there and keep on moving and doing what you're doing because sometimes people are trying to question your authority when you walk in the authority of God. You don't need their approval. You just need to keep on doing what God calls you to do. And no matter what happens, no matter what mountains come your way, it doesn't matter because if God calls you to do it, he will also see you through it. Yeah. So know this while you're going. Don't waste time on the unnecessary because when you're walking in authority, 
You don't got time for that. You have time for this mission and that's it. I'm trying to get to a point here too so we realize, because a lot of us have time for a lot of things in our life, but we say that we don't have time to read the Bible. We have time for so many things in our life, but we say we don't have time to pray. We have time for so many things in our life, but we can't go out and serve people and evangelize. Because maybe we need to walk more in authority. Maybe we need to start being about our father's business and not just our own. Verse, that's the end of that. (laughs) But they gave these political answers. You know, a lot of times in our life, we have a decision to make. We can choose to follow God and do things his way, or we can choose to do the things we want to do. And we tried this for a long time. And some of us, well, we can do self-inventory and see how that's working out. So maybe it's time for some change. Remember how I told you I wasn't going to really preach a Valentine's Day sermon? But I told you, if you apply this in your life, and you did, if you walked in authority, if you were about your father's business, what I mean by that is when you woke up in the morning, everything you thought about was God and what does he want me to do and his will in my life and being about his business. And anything else, you don't have time for that. You know how much fruit your life would overflow? It would overflow so much that it would overflow into your family and your household, your job, your school, everywhere you go. People are going to be like something different about that person. I don't know what it is, but that's not the same Carmelo that I knew before. I don't know what it is, but that's not the same Blanca that I knew before. I don't know what it is, but that guy, Anthony, he used to be gangbanging all that stuff. And now I see him speaking to youth. I see him sharing the gospel with people. That's not the same guy that I knew before. Tressa. That's not the same girl that I met when I was on the side of First Avenue evangelizing. I saw her with her kids. And I'm very, very proud of you because God has done amazing work in your life. And you've seen fruit from that. Right, Albert? Amen. So we close with this. What if you knew? What if every day that you woke up, you knew that actually wasn't going to last forever? Not just knowing that we all know that we're not going to last forever. We all know that one day we got to die and maybe some of us will go to heaven. Maybe some of us won't, depending on what you believe. But what if we knew our day wasn't that long? What if every day we lived with a purpose? What if every day we lived with a focus and that focus was to do our father's business. That means when you're praying and God tells you to do something, you do it. That means you focus on heavenly things and not on all this stuff in the world, all this sidetracking stuff, all this stuff that, that's been holding you back, all this stuff that's stopping you from bearing fruit, that you just get rid of this stuff. Like, I don't want that in my house no more. And you literally throw the garbage out because it has no place in your life. That's the stuff I'm talking about. And you start walking in authority. And you don't give up when, when the mountain comes. Because if it's a mountain today, but tomorrow it's a clump of dirt. What if Jesus gave up? You know, I mean, you know, can you, you can't, we can't even imagine how hard that would have been. 
How much it would have been easy. Well, we would have gave up. What if he would have gave up as he's walking to the cross? As he's walking the cross. But he says, I can't quit. I can't quit. As he was thinking about Trank. Or he's walking to the cross, bearing all of his sins and the pains of heaven. The nails in there. He says, I can't. I can't quit. Because he was thinking about Jesse. As he's walking across, and he saw Sal back there. And you know he could have took himself off the cross. He said, I love Sal. I love him so much that I'm going to die for his sin and everyone else's, the whole world. What if we lived with that mindset? What if everything we did, we did? For him. Imagine not just how much our lives would change, our communities would change, how much this world would change. Let's pray. Father, Lord, give us the strength to carry on your business, give us the endurance to battle through when times get hard and give us the faith to know that you are moving mountains in our life even when they look like they're too high to get over and they're impossible. Father God, you can do anything if we follow you and it's in your will, Lord. So please help us tonight. Help us be about your business. Help us start walking in authority that we were given and stop giving it away. The only time the devil can take our authority is when we give it to him. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that are are hindering us from producing fruit for your kingdom. Lord, if there's anything that's a mountain right now that that it just seems too much for us to bear. If there's anybody in our lives that we need to forgive, maybe that person is yourself. Lord, give us the confidence to know that we don't got to please anybody, that we don't have to argue about anything. All we need to do is focus on you because we know our identity and we know our calling. So walk in that. And Lord, give us the trust to be able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.